Welcome to Brainstorm 911, the podcast, where each episode, we talk about topics of interest in the public safety communications industry. My name's Dan Lewis, your host. If you ever have an idea for an episode, send me an email at info at brainstorm911.com. And if you like what you hear, click subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Hi, everyone. This is Dan. And this week on the podcast, we're talking about customer service in the 911 center. What does it mean? Who's responsible for the service that you provide? And how can you make some good first impressions? This is the first in a series of three podcasts covering customer service in the 911 center. So first of all, what is customer service? The term itself is not a definition. It never tells you what is acceptable, poor, or superior service. So Pretty much, your customers or your callers tend to make that determination for themselves based on many factors. In public safety, the term customer service is really not used as often as it is in the business world because we don't always look at our callers or those needing assistance as customers, but they really are. They may not pay a fee to 911 or hand a check to the police officer or firefighter, but they're most definitely our customers. The services that we provide can affect the outcome of a very difficult or traumatic situation, and we really do owe it to our communities and our callers to provide the best level of service we can. Maybe even a more appropriate title for this podcast would have been Excellent Service in the 911 Center, because that's what we should strive for. Does that mean we get it right every time? Absolutely not. We don't always measure up, but if we continue to strive for excellence, in time it will become second nature. So where do we start? I guess on the day we're hired. You know, we were probably all put through the ringer, going through policies, some type of orientation, uniform fittings, basic rules and regulations. But we had the eye of someone walking into a world that we knew nothing about. If we were lucky, we spent some time listening to calls on a job shadow, or we were able to see the importance of what we were doing on a daily basis. Day one's always critical on the job because it sets the expectations for what we have to do, but also how we do it. So one of the main takeaways I would like for everybody to take from this series is who is responsible for the level of service that you provide. And it's my belief that every individual has that responsibility. Yes, you may have supervisors and upper management who provide quality assurance on your calls. They audit your calls and they enforce the rules and policies as necessary, it's ultimately down to you. You may never hear of your customer service successes, but you're definitely going to hear about your failures, whether it's from a complaint from a caller, a unit out in the field, one of your coworkers, or a supervisor. It can be difficult to find the line between being assertive enough to get the information required for an adequate response and being aggressive or rude to a caller. But with enough training and experience and feedback, you can always find that line and hopefully stay on the right side of it. So as soon as the 911 call rings and you answer it, using whatever protocol or policy that you have, you're making a first impression. Have you ever walked into a store and saw something that really bothered you? Whether it's the cleanliness of the store, the organization, employees in a corner not greeting customers, or whatever it may be. You know, you leave that store with a poor view of that location, 
even if you've heard they clean up their act, you may not return. The same thing happens in the 911 center every day. Rude or inattentive call takers have the potential to make the caller uncomfortable. You know, they can even be unsure if they're receiving an appropriate level of assistance. Rude dispatchers create an environment of distrust between the field responders and the entire dispatch center, not just the one working the TAC. Everything pivots on how people perceive you. It's their perception on the other end of the line or the other end of the radio, and it is your responsibility to make sure they understand they're getting the help they need. A big part of that is how you are responding to them and how you are presenting yourself to them. Maybe you've always heard you only have one chance to make a first impression. I would say in the 911 center, you've only got 10 seconds to make a good first impression. From the time a caller dials 911 until the time a call taker answers, that's a critical part of forming our relationship. If you wait too long to answer the phone, the caller has already been sitting on the line for what they feel like is a long time. The National Emergency Number Association has recommended that during the busiest hour of the day, 90% of the time, all 911 calls should be answered within 10 seconds. 10 seconds may not seem like a long time to you, but in an emergency, that could save a life. So the first impression begins forming immediately, even before the call taker answers the phone. What else contributes to first impressions? Well, your tone of voice. You know, how you say something is just important as what you're saying. Long silence and long pauses on a call. That makes a caller uncomfortable, and it may cause them to have some panic and lose trust in the call taker. Repeating questions that have already been answered. I know we all have protocols to follow, but most protocols allow for acknowledging obvious answers. If you're using active and effective listening skills, eliminating the obvious answers from your question cycle shows the caller that you're paying attention to them. Also being empathetic. Empathy is acknowledging that you understand the feelings of someone else. There's nothing wrong with acknowledging the caller's feelings and frustrations. Just try to stay professional and courteous at all times. Of course, this list isn't all-inclusive. Grab a piece of pen and paper. Write down what you think might contribute to making a good first impression. If you think you have something that I can share on the episode next time, send me an email at info at brainstorm911.com. Or if you can find this podcast on the Anchor app, I will have the link below, you can leave me a voice message. And with your permission, I'll play your responses. So how can you make sure that you are being courteous and helpful at all times? One thought is listening without judgment. This can relate to all of your customers. If you listen and allow others to have a voice without making snap judgment calls as to their validity or seriousness, maybe they will do the same for you. Try not to react to the negative. This is definitely important for calls, radio transmissions, and the interpersonal interactions with your coworkers. Reacting to a negative comment or something that you perceive as an attack makes any situation worse. With callers, it's especially important to maintain a professional demeanor, no matter what is said on the phone. With coworkers and responders on the radio, most agencies have a process to identify unacceptable behavior, and it's critical that you continue to provide the service that you are capable of and allow that process to proceed as policy dictates. Lastly, take a breath. Sometimes when you're frustrated, it's a good idea to walk away, take a break, pause for a few seconds, then respond to the situation in a more professional way. This allows you to continue being courteous in a stressful situation. 
being courteous or just being plain nice is a great tool to have in your toolbox. Being courteous doesn't imply that you cannot use the skills such as repetitive persistence or asserting yourself to get information when necessary. But you always have to return to that courteous delivery that will set you apart from the average call taker or dispatcher. So what else can affect customer service in the 911 center? Attitude is a big part of customer service. How professionals in the 911 industry approaches their job is just as important as how they do their job. Skills can definitely be trained and developed. Personnel can learn complicated computer systems, memorize dozens or more response guidelines and policies, and they're trained to deal with stress in various situations. But if the attitude that is displayed is not positive and productive, then all the skills and training in the world won't help you provide great customer service. And if you say, well, that's up to my supervisors to manage, your supervisors don't have the ability to change your attitude, but their actions can change your behavior. So attitude is an internal device that you have to make sure you're good with for providing good customer service. So how do you create a better attitude? I found some research by Evanson from 2011 that says there are several factors that help you create a great attitude. Number one is believe in yourself. Pay attention to the words that you use when describing your own actions or mistake. Instead of beating yourself down, lift yourself up by learning how to improve. Believe that you can make a difference. Sometimes in 911, call takers and dispatchers fail to see the end result of the calls. This leads to the feeling that the work they are doing may not be enough. The truth is, if you start viewing the work that you're doing as beneficial to everyone involved, and recognize that you have the power and the ability to make a difference in each and every situation, you can provide great customer service with a high level of confidence. Lastly, keep an open mind. Each caller is different. If you keep an open mind while answering the phone, you can treat each caller the same. For instance, assuming that a child caller may not have enough information to provide you in order to initiate an effective response is really not the best course of action. Children may have tons of information, and if you stereotype all children of being unhelpful, you miss an opportunity to provide the service needed in a timely manner. So moving to the end of this episode, working in the 911 industry has definitely changed since I've been in this industry. It was a skilled labor position, and now it's turned into a very highly professional and technical career that in some ways touches all aspects of our society. In order to remain consistent, professional, and to earn the trust of our communities, Treating everyone with the same high level of service is extremely important. You can always take pride in what you do as a professional, but if you step back and take pride in how you do it, you're going to enjoy the time spent in the 911 Communication Center much more. On the next episode of Brainstorm 911, the podcast, we'll be talking about who are our customers and how do we best serve them. Thank you for taking the time to listen to the podcast today. I hope you enjoyed it. For more information about me and my company, visit brainstorm911.com. Thank you again and have a great day.